When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Wizards of Waverly Pod. We have a very special guest. One of the people that I look up to in my life and who has taught me many, many things, Mr. Bob Cohare. Hello. Hi, Hello. It's so good to see you guys, David. And you always have to look up at me because I'm 6'5". Right? <laughs> true. And I was like, do you look up to him because of the directing or because of the biceps? Which is it? Everything. Everything. <laughs> you know what it is about Bob that I love so much about you that I love so much? is you're so positive. Yeah. You're such a positive person, and that's really important to to have, especially with your leader, your director, yeah. is happy and positive, and, you know, that's, that's a really big, nice trait. How Thank are you, you so happy, Bob? <laughs> <laughs> I'm miserable when I'm not on set. No, oh. I'm happy. I'm happy all the time, because you know what? Life's way too freaking short, right? Um, but also... One of the things I take pride in, first of all, I loved working with you guys. Like we loved such a dream experience. Uh, but it's in order to do the best work, we have to feel safe. In order to feel safe, the director's job, at least in my opinion, is to create an atmosphere in which everyone feels supported and allowed to do their job and encouraged to do their job. Now, yeah. I know directors who throw chairs. I know a director who came on our show, Wizards, and got so freaked out by the magic that he just sat in the corner and cried. I'm not going to mention his name, but uh, <laughs> now you want to know who is it? No, of course. But, of course. Uh, after after we get off, you can say his name. After, did he only do one episode? He only did one episode. Well, okay. yeah, That's a test telling. No, because he, he had a small panic attack in the corner. Of course <laughs> he only did one episode. Lord. He completely shut down. Oh. But here's the thing. You know, uh, I give good set. What can I say? That's one of my go. things I do. No, and I love the way that you word that. But no, but it's so true. For those of you who are listening and aren't aren't watching, Bob is this six six five, right? Um, yeah, he's a mountain very, of a he's man. A mountain of a man, but he is also a musical theater geek, and he's just the most like who like me, um, <gasps> and the most jovial, happy. Like if he doesn't talk, he looks very intimidating, and yeah. he's done some acting where he plays these intimidating characters, which makes me laugh. And one of my favorite stories that I remember you telling me was how sometimes when you're driving in the car, you'll look over and look super scary. And then all of a sudden you'll blast your like musical theater stuff in the car. <laughs> and to me, that is so you. Whenever I think of you, I think of that story because it is such such a perfect example of just you because you look with from someone who doesn't know you, you could be really intimidating. But then the moment you open your mouth, yeah. you are the most warm, welcoming just lovely, oh. like teddy bear of a human being. And I concur. I just... And and uh, I was so excited about it as I remember, Bob, you doing the Beyonce. Yes, the single the, ladies. Like, the single ladies, yeah. you do it really well, by the like, way. scarily well. <laughs> and also the other thing, <laughs> listen, there's so many things I remember about working with you. One of the biggest things, and this is silly, and I want to ask you where exactly, and I guess it's about making people feel comfortable, but if you sneezed, Three times in a row, oh, yeah. you would win right. twenty dollars, and I was always like, <sighs> I was always trying to work up a sneeze because I wanted twenty dollars. You know, I forgot that that came from you because I still do that in my life where people sneeze twice. I'm like, do you have a third one? I forgot that came from right. you. Where did that come yeah. from? Okay, so I started directing on the Drew Carey show, and it was really dusty on their stage, mm -hmm. and so I, apparently I was sneezing a lot, but I always sneeze three times. 
And then Drew said, do you always sneeze three times? I said, doesn't everybody? And they said, no. And I said, okay. So the next person who sneezes three times in a row, not two, not four, but three times. And it has to be sneeze, sneeze, yeah, sneeze. You can't sneeze twice and then go to craft services and sneeze. I will give you 20 bucks. And then I didn't know this was going to happen, but people would sneeze twice. And then everyone on the set would go, one more, one yeah. more. I still, I was at and the hospital the other day and I did that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go for it. So I'll tell you right now, Jennifer, if you can record yourself sneezing three times in a row, I will send, I will Venmo <laughs> you $20. 20 bucks. I can only, I only ever sneeze twice in a row. I'm a, t- I'm a two in a row kind of girl. Um, okay. Well, we can aim gush- higher. I know. I know. I got to work harder on for that. I got to work for that third sneeze. It's so fun, but it's also interesting because um, it, it, you're not, you're thinking about that. You yeah. take our mind away from kind of what's going on. You're playing a little bit of a game with everybody. You make it fun. That's a yeah. fun thing. By the way, I just want to say, uh, I've met Drew Carey one time at Swingers Restaurant. He's a very nice man. And he's also buying food for every single writer. If you have a WGA card, you can go into Swingers and get a free oh, cool. a meal. So I'm going to try to join the WGA <laughs> so I can get a free meal. I need a free meal, right? No, but that was one of the things I remember so distinctly about you is not only like the sneezing bet, but just anything that you could do, especially on a ch- like an adult coming into a children's show, you made it such a safe and fun environment to where right. it really was play. So, but you also came in around, cause I think it was like the second season that you came in. Yeah. So how did you, so we had already shot the whole first season. So how did you come in and sort of seamlessly put your own stamp on the episodes, but also blend into the already established show that we had at that point? So here's an interesting story. Uh, and when you guys were in your season one, I was called over to interview for Hannah Montana. Yeah. Right. So I went in and I was just big. Bob, by the way, for people who are listening, I know every Sondheim lyric because I'm so gay. You can see me from space. (laughs) (laughs) And this is why you and I got along so well, because like I said, we could geek out about musicals all day long. Right. But I also want to say this. If you watch the Tonys, which was amazing, Mm -hmm. you know, there's no anyway, I'm gay. I love being gay. People say, I I didn't know you were gay. I'm like, well, you haven't seen me having sex with a man in front of you. But I'm <laughs> happily gay, proud to be gay. And um, I have, anyway, so, uh, but uh, here's what happened. I went and met for Aunt Hannah Montana and they fell in love. I threw, you know, I love meeting people. We laughed. And so they went to hire me. And then I found out how <clears throat> little money I was going to be making to work um, at Disney. You sound like me. Hold on, Bob. I'm going to interrupt you because I do this thing where I go, mm. <laughs> Disney. <laughs> he does that every time we talk about somehow that Disney like screws you. Basically. Exactly. And go on. Sorry. So I will say this. I have a debt of thanks to them because I still get checks from all the, I did so many episodes of so many different shows. However, when I heard that it was one third of my quote yeah. and I'd be working with a- children and animals, I said, you, I said to my agent, you should have told me this. And I was really doing well on network television. And so I said, no. And then the word came back to me that how dare I invite them to the prom and then not show up on prom night and pick them up with a corsage? How dare I? So that I was banned from Disney, right? So enter uh, Peter Marietta wanting to meet me for Wizards, right? And so I thought, you know, I, I really look, I'm gay, right? And I'm never gonna have my own kids uh, now because I'm so freaking old, my knees are on Craigslist looking for a new owner. Like, <laughs> but um, that uh, I love children. I love working with children. And one of the things I enjoyed about working on all the, show, on all the Disney shows is I got to mentor them and not talk down to them. Because yeah. you guys know what it was like to get notes from Disney. You know? Yeah. Anyway, uh, I met with Peter. I watched the show and I was like, oh my God. I have to work on this show. I have to. Here's why. First of all, the anti-princess of Selena's character, Alex, like, and basically, by the way, Peter Murrieta will tell you this himself. That was him. Yeah. He oh, wrote 100%. a character. All yeah. over the place. Yeah. Right. So uh, this anti-character, this lazy um, young girl who had magic, but just wanted anyway. Uh, and also I grew up watching uh, 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 reruns of Bewitched and, 
and I dream a genie. So the magic, I'm like, I got to do this. So I gave him the heads up. I said, look, dude, because we had a great meeting. I said, Disney's going to fight back. He pushed and I got on Wizards and things went like so Peter. well. It was like when I showed up, yeah, it, I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. And when I showed up and met you guys, I, I was literally mm-hmm. like the largest six foot five child yeah. skipping on my way to work because I got to work with you guys. And I got to create, literally create magic. Yeah. And so Disney relented and finally said, fine, we'll let him do that. <laughs> but you, but you uh, brought the energy up every time yeah. you stepped on a set. We knew when it was a Bob episode, it, it was going to be a fun one. And, and thank God that Peter Marietta fought for not just having you there, but fought for the integrity of the show a lot. Yeah, he fought, he fought all so many battles. the time. Yeah. yeah. And all when you time. said Disney gave notes, I mean, it was like, Great episode after the table read and a table read, you sit down and read the script for the first time. And typically you'll get a few notes here or there, but Disney would be like, great episode. Okay. No, five notes on page one. Yeah. And then page two notes and notes. And it just was notes up your nose. It was so much. It was. Yes. It was and then also there was a little bit of, and I, 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 Bob, just so you know, I just say whatever the fuck I want here, but there was a little <laughs> bit of people justifying their jobs. Like they had yeah, to say some notes. Good. Yeah, it just was like, what notes are you doing? for notes sake. Yeah, yeah it was so But silly. I want to say this to you. So here's the thing. I'll share some stuff with you because I got to be in the room for network notes. Here is my least favorite thing ever, a, a note from Disney. Look, I know I got a huge laugh at the run through, but I'm like, stop right there. Wow. What are you going to say? Yeah. And also things like, um, I know uh, I know uh, Alex is angry, but... Um, we don't, she looks a little like she's, she's kind of a bitch. I'm like, children get angry. Yeah. People get we have emotions. And so they were trying to protect a brand yeah. and that brand was Xeroxed and given to someone then Xeroxed again. So the people who were run, or working on the shows, a lot of them were great. A lot of them were just repeating notes that from someone who hasn't just read the script. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So my job Thank God I'm 6'5". You know, I went to work on a show called Still Standing and Jamie Gertz, I walked onto the set my first day and she walked in and she said, excuse me, who are you? And I said, I'm the director. And she said, is the security guard directing an episode of our show? (laughs) (laughs) My size served me so so well that my job was to stand at the gates of what I felt my integrity was to protect actors from really stupid notes. Guys, the number of times I would listen to a Disney note and go, okay, great. So you want uh, him to lit, uh, wink first and then pause and then look around and then go. Yeah. This is like on a, on a pickup. I'm like, okay. This, and I say, yes, I repeat it. They get it. I'd walk in and say, hey guys, it's a freebie. Do whatever you want. And yeah. then just nod your head, nod your head, right? Because I understand I my job is to implement notes. My job is to protect you guys as well because you're doing a great job. And I have to tell you, like one third of the time when I did my little Disney sneak, I'd just nod your head. And yeah. then I would, we go and I'd say, we tried half, one third of the time, like that was perfect, Bob. Thank you so much for giving that note. And I was like, yeah, really? You're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Well, it's thank silly. you for doing that. Cause like I said, I, you protected us. We've talked about in previous episodes about how, you know, it's important to kind of like let kids be kids and protect them from some of that nonsense and like keep them out of their heads and things like that. So thank you. I hadn't, I didn't know that you guys were fighting those battles for us then. So thank you for doing what it. Was the A biggest, lot of that stuff. Not good. No, no, no. What, what was the biggest thing? What's the thing you don't want to tell everybody, no. Bob? What, <laughs> what, what was, was the biggest the, battle? What was the biggest problem you yeah. had? And, and, and just, you did about 20 episodes? Uh, he right? did 19. 19? Oh, I just guessed that, yeah, by the that way. Yeah, that was good. You were well off. <laughs> but what, what would you say the biggest, like, you're like, what the fuck? I mean, there okay, was Okay, so here's what it is. Any show, forget that it's Disney, right? The show becomes a hit, right? And then all of a sudden, everybody's got to have a finger in it so they can participate in the success. And just like you said earlier, David, people t- have to do their job. I've had run-throughs. We've done run-throughs together that were just perfect yeah. with a couple of jokes that were going to be tweaked. The note should not take that long. We're going to fix this joke. We're going to have alts for this, anything else. Then there's people trying to do their job right now. Also, there's the squeeze of the people who are the network, who are covering the show for the network and their jobs at the network. Mm-hmm. You know, Adam was the head uh, of Disney then. Mm-hmm. And Adam, Adam was a I'm just going to yeah. say it. It's yeah. like a vampire. Like, yeah. 
vampire. And I don't think that he had any connection to kids or understanding. So a lot of times. And he was was in fucking charge. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. What? So, yeah. So shit rolls downhill. Right. And so (laughs) because I'm a recovering actor. Right. Because I'm a recovering actor. Look, I will never repeat a note. If I come in. Right. And I'm like, okay, so here's the note. Um, You know what? While you're doing the scene, just blame him. Be frustrated. Make it all his fault. Mm. And then I give that note and I'm thinking that's an Emmy winning note and it doesn't speak to you. I will never repeat the note. My job is to speak your language, right? Is to Mm. communicate to you. But as a recovering actor, sometimes I have a sponsor. Sometimes I say, I want to do a monologue. He's like, you need to go to a meeting. Do not join. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Wait a minute. Hold on. There was like a, the biggest fucking problem and we haven't heard it yet. Right. Is this is people saying shit that is not even connected to the integrity of the show because they're trying to save their job. Like sometimes on other shows, they're like, you know, she keeps doing this. I'm like, she's six. Yeah. Okay. So can we let her be six? It's like, and they're like, well, the words get garbled. I'm like, write less words for her at this point. Let her grow. So they forgot that they're dealing with human beings. And, you know, I'm going to, extends a lot of compassion. They're dealing with all their pressure. Mm-hmm. I just felt it was my job to go, no, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Well, no. it, it's, it's, it's helpful to have somebody advocating going, hey, remember, they're kids. Because I, I think a lot of times we've talked about too, about how, because they are running a business that they, for, they forget that, you know, they think we're products. And so they treat us like products and, and, and in their brains we are. So it's nice to have somebody who stops them and goes, their children, let them be children and be the best version of themselves. And I understand we have to make the thing, but still at the end of the day, they're kids. Yeah. You know? And the other thing is this, there are times when you guys had to actually have a powerful moment, right? Yeah. And I'm like, we do it in rehearsal. I'm like, great. Don't reach for it now. Just wait. Don't kill it. We need to see it. I'm like, and then they want to do it over again. I'm going, you get two takes, right? Of Jennifer doing this moment. You get two because it's very powerful. Right. And we're going to do it as a pickup to protect the actor because they just don't know how many directors came in who don't have any acting experience, who have never been directed and did not were not able to communicate with you because they would just repeat a note louder thinking that they did that. Yeah. And it's different. I think directing in a a sitcom scenario is a little different from uh, one hour or maybe even a a half an hour uh, uh, single camera. One of the things that was interesting uh, that I don't think a lot of people know is that the director does not participate in casting in a sitcom. You do not go to casting. It's rarely. Yeah, it's very rare. So when you get an actor, you're meeting them for the first time on the set. You know, there isn't there isn't like a a, a, a before that. Yeah, versus like a one hour or a drama or movie. Right. So you're you're given that that actor. You know, and and it's interesting. Is there something else about sitcom acting that you think people don't know about? You know what I mean? About directing okay. sitcoms. Well, here's something that's interesting. Any actor who's lucky to get a job, right? They get a job on Wizards of Waverly Place. And then that guest actor um, wants to try and make every line funny. And so I do this thing where I say, hi, welcome to our show. So I want you to circle every line you think is a joke. And let's talk about it. And then all their lines are circled. I'm like, great. So, hi, you're in this scene with uh, David and Jennifer, right? And they're the stars of the show. So guess what? You're not going to be cut because this is an important scene. However, <laughs> let's circle. This is a joke. This is a joke. This is a joke. So your job in the volleyball of it is to do this. And their job is to do that and spike it. Yeah. So thank you for trying to make it funny, Right. But all you have to do is say the line simply. And I totally forgive actors because they think it's a sitcom, so they have to be funny. No. And first of all, let me say in support of the writer strike, none of this happens without writers. Nothing happens without writers. And so support them, right? That said, good writing just needs someone to stand there and deliver sometimes. Now, we often found additional comedy and reactions sure. and stuff on the floor that I would run upstairs and say, hey, by the way, Jennifer wants to do this. It was really funny. Can I show you and run through, right? But the hardest thing is that, you know, look, you guys get it. I can't, sometimes comedy, I can teach you 
tricks, mm-hmm. like like a, a pace joke or the pause and then deliver that gets a laugh. But when it's in your bone, like with two of you and with everyone, it's just my job was to show up and move away all the shit that stopped you from having fun and then sit there and eat popcorn and go, yay. <laughs> but and that's what made you such a great director, Bob. And if I may, when, when Bob said you would send that upstairs, that's where the producers are. That's where all those people could then make a change in the script if we added something or took something away. You know, what were you going to well, say? Well, no, I was just going to say you touched on some, like, two really good points that I love, which is, first of all, I think death to comedy is when you try to make something funny. Absolutely. I, I, like, like when you look at a line and you go, oh, I'm going to make it funny. Um, and we were talking about how some members of the cast would try to force comedy sometimes. And it would, it, sometimes it would work and sometimes it would be painful because they're trying to force a joke where there isn't one. Where sometimes the key is just, because you start with the writing. And if the writing is really good, it sings and the joke works. And, if, and, and then the, where the acting comes in, and this is where what I love about show business is it is all these artists coming together and collaborating and you take one piece out of the puzzle, like you take the writers out, you have nothing for the actors to build off of. You take the actors out, you have no one to put color to that writing. Like you take any piece, props, hair, makeup, costume, any piece out of that puzzle, it falls apart. And so that this is where it's like, you know, talking about the writer's strike, it blows my mind that anyone goes, oh, well, we can just have a computer do it. Mm. I mean, it doesn't blow my mind because it's, it's the money people. It's yeah. the money people who think that. Um, but the thing is, is like you take any one of those artists out of the equation and the painting falls to pieces. And, and so I, I just loved that you, you know, you said that not only if you try to make a joke funny, it doesn't work because it doesn't. And then also too the fact that, you know, it all has to come from good writing because especially in a four camera sitcom like this, it has to start with funny writing yeah. and then all of us can, can be inspired and build off. of. Well, that. also it's a matter of trust. There's a weird thing that happens because at the table, we're hearing it for the first time. You guys are reading it together for the first time. If I'm doing my job as I read the stage directions, I'm helping with the pace. I'm slowing Mm -hmm. it down, right? So this amazing thing happens. Every time we pick up our scripts and head to the floor, it falls apart a little. It just does. Um, And here's the thing. One of the great things about being in a multicam format, we do the play all week, right? Yeah. And a lot of things get better. We do the play all week and sometimes we're tired of hearing it. It's not funny anymore. And here's another thing I want to say. Um, Once you've been in season two, right? You're up to season two. I get to say, David, how would you say this line? Because sometimes it's funny on the page, right? And I would always say, or Jennifer, how would you say this? Say it. And then we do it. And then it would, it would make the moment easier because you, you guys start informing the characters. If they're smart, they start writing to you and your strengths. It was like what you talked about too with with the serious moments of like when you do it over and over and over again. And this is what I always thought was, a, I mean, I, I resolved it in my mind of like the audition process as an actor of like when you get to network or you get to the final audition, you've done that audition like a million yeah. times. So the worst it's gonna be is at the very end when it counts the most because you've done it so many times. So those instincts aren't fresh anymore. You've, you know, whatever. Um, and so I think it's similar to how it goes with the table read, the two run throughs and then rehearsal and all that kind of stuff is at the table read, your instincts are fresh. It's the first time you're reading it, like all of those kind of things. But then you keep doing it over and over and over again. So yes. it becomes it starts to become stale. And then that's and then why you don't get the laugh. And so you kind of panic and you feel like you need to add things, which right. kills it even more. But that's I'll say this. One, thing, one thing I learned is if a scene, if it's just the two of you and we know you're going to kill it. And, you know, I want to do every scene, regardless if it's rewritten twice yeah. uh, during the day. I will let you phone it in. Here's the blocking. Oh, I got a note here. They want you guys to move more. So, Jennifer, you're going to get up and refill the coffee and come back and sit down. And then, uh, David, you're going to uh, uh, drop something and go pick it up. Right. Let's do it. And then save it. Because yeah, I see, that. here's the thing. That's back when we used to have audiences. Now, because of all the magic, we didn't have whole lot of we did stuff in front of the audience but if it was yeah so a lot of times on thursday we would shoot a lot of the the you know the magic stuff and then play it back on friday and try to do some stuff in front of the audience that we could and then play it back yeah we would usually do our stationary sets the substation the lair the the yes we would do those in front of the audience on friday or tuesday depending on what season we were in yeah um and then we would do all the magic stuff 
on the uh, I'm going to tell you this. Okay. Here's one of my biggest secrets I've never admitted to anybody. Uh-oh. Whoa, you guys, <laughs> we've got some dish here. Everybody it's stand by, so sit down. <laughs> it's, about me, it's me letting my hair down. So here's the deal. <laughs> but I'm I am you. such a softie, right? Yeah. I get so emotionally caught up when I see actors. I'm, I'm getting emotional right now. We do when this actors, to people. When actors connect... And then I'm allowed, a lot of times it's just, you know, control the splatter of the goo, right? Or more smoke. But when actors get to have a moment, especially on a comedy, if we make people laugh, that's the best time to go in and then do something real. And there are times on this show, (laughs) if you paid attention, uh, where a moment would be created, like a moment between, you know, Harper and Alex, where someone's feelings got hurt. And then there's the Disney, oh, from the audience. However... When I saw two actors really doing their job, I get so emotional. So after you guys finish the scene, there'd be a pause and you'd hear this. Okay, cut. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Bob. It happens all the time. And I have to tell you, so precious because that's what we're there for. Yes, the magic's gonna happen. Yes, this is gonna explode. Yes, you guys are. Yes, Ghost. That was the most challenging episode. There was an episode where ghosts showed up and yeah. we had to shoot them, right? It was so tedious to shoot. However, yeah. it looked great. And then it's like, it's done. I'm like, we did, we did all that work. <laughs> like five seconds. Um, but to watch actors, like what you were paid, what you're paid to do, create yeah. a moment was so fulfilling. It's really important. We've said this before in a a sitcom. If you don't care about the characters, what the fuck is the point? You know, and and also that we cared about each other. But most the writing on correct me if I'm wrong, Bob, but there is a lot of negative stuff that sitcom actors say to the other actors, like scripted stuff. You know, there's a lot of kind of digs at people. So you have to have that base, yeah. you know? You have to have that so love at the bottom. It's of called it. slagging in Britain. They call it slagging. Hmm. And it's oh, the yeah. easiest, it's the easiest form of comedy, which is to tear someone else down, right? The best comedy is intelligent comedy. Comedy that's based in character. And, you know, I know a few actors who got to play people who I'm not going to call them dumb. I always call them simple. You have a simpler look at life, right? Yeah. But someone who's going to play someone, look, you did it, right, Jennifer? You yeah. had to play this neurotic person, right? <laughs> that to actually create the room for that and to allow that to be and allow you to not, if you're playing stupid, if she's just, if she's just nervous and frantic, okay, that anyone can do that. But yeah. if she's concerned and scared that her friend is not, that, that quality changes and i feel like it takes a director who's either well versed in um directing actors or recovering actor like myself to go in there because otherwise we're just saying lines and running around but to actually give you guys the gift of creating a moment right there was a scene uh uh the first kiss in the rain alex kissing the wolf band guy and it was raining so i had this like i had a jib i had the rain (laughs) a jib is a camera a big camera kind of crane thing that Sorry blows up it. at the end of a movie, right? I That was one time where it took me like five seconds to go, cut, because it was so beautiful to watch them find that moment. That's so and you, so you've talked about multiple times how you're a recovering actor. Yeah. What what do you think is and and David, you've directed a few episodes. I did. I did. Yes. Um, but so what are, what is something that you think is the biggest asset of being an actor turned director? Well, I'm going to turn that over to David first because I certainly have an answer. I, I think I think uh, something that my brother uh, Peter taught me was the most efficient way that you can in the quickest, most efficient way that you can get that information across. Mm-hmm. And I think Bob has already said it, which is, how would you say this? Like, I could yeah. come in to a show and go, okay, what's happening is this, and we're going to go there, and this is the motivation. You know, I could do all this setup, or I could quickly, efficiently say. Where are you coming? Like, what is yours? Okay. And 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 get right to it, uh, and and work with the actor that way. So, and, conversation rather than telling. Well, well, conversation, but also going right to the source hmm. of of where what's going on with you, so I can build that. When when I worked with the three other kids on the show, <laughs> Selena, I didn't have to direct at all because there was one moment where I was talking to her, and I remember I'm saying this, and she just kind of. 
you know, <laughs> she glazed over and I was like, oh, so I would just, you know, I, yeah. I, I would, I would get Jake to just say the lines. I had to let David Henry play a little bit. Yeah. He had to have some fun. So my, the best thing that I could do was <clears throat> direct to who I'm talking Their to. Their strength. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. Yeah. So I want to say in different words, exactly what you said. Every actor talks and hears in a different language, right? Mm. David Henry was older than everyone else and he got distracted and I will say this bored. So I realized that he got to, you know, he needed to be engaged in a different level, right? To, like you said, let him go off and do his thing. And then like, sometimes I'm saying, great. So I need a take where you do just this. That's in the script. I just need that. But because I gave him some latitude, right? And sometimes some of that made it. And there are some people who just need to be uh, guided more. You know, I'll say this, never talk down to an actor because I've been there. I also, here's another thing. Maybe you guys don't remember. Uh, if I called you by your character name, I paid you 20 bucks because <sighs> I've been called, hey, guy number two. Yeah. Hey, bouncer. I'm like, I have a name. My name is Bob. All yeah. Right. And the character's name, the bouncer. I don't remember you ever paying yeah. me $20. So. <laughs> well, I think you did a good job. And then also character, uh, calling someone by their actual name is important and not moving someone. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like you take oh, someone and go move that. here, move there. You just, you feel like a piece of furniture kind yeah. of thing, you know? Right. And here's the thing, you know, why are you moving? Yes, to keep it interesting. But what I did was I would never say, uh, hopefully I'd never said, Jennifer, uh, Go over here. I would say, great. Hey, uh, where's your purse? Can I get a purse, please? Put yeah. a purse over here. Hey, Jennifer, at this point, go to your purse because every move is motivated by something. Yeah. I have to tell you, I worked on a show called Other People's Money and James Vanderbeek, is that his name? Yeah. Uh -huh. Anyway, I showed up on the set and sometimes my size works in my favor and sometimes the alpha animals on the set, just their hackles go up. So I walked onto the set for the first they get, day. They get real big. He hated me from the oh. word go, uh. right? too big or whatever. So he came in and the, says in the script to walk to his bedroom, but his bedroom was upstage and he had a line on the fly. And so I would never gonna get a camera on him. I knew this on the first day. And so I said, hey, um, can you stop and talk to them? He goes, no, because if you look at my motivation, I'm like, okay, hey, can we get some mail, please? And I got some <laughs> mail and I said, well, here's some mail. He's like, what am I gonna do with this? I said, well, you're coming home, right? So you check the mail. So go through the mail, take out two pieces for yourself. And the mail for everyone at the house is over here. He goes, conveniently downstage. Like, <laughs> what a dick. He said, I see what you're trying to do. I said, you know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to do my job. So here's, I'll make it this deal with you. Come in. You can't say no. You have to try it once. Yeah. You try it once and you hate it. Then we'll do something else. That's fair. And the rest of the cast was like this because they knew who he was. Yeah. So he came in. He was now he had had activity. He was looking through the mail and he put it down and got a nice beat at the very end and then walked to his room and I came out. And I said, how was that? He goes, you win. And I said, it's not about winning. <laughs> it's not about winning. It's about letting me do my job. It looked better. So I would never tell people to cross without giving them a reason. to. Yeah. No, I, 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 you, you, you know, in rewatching the show, not every time, but there's a lot of people that enter and hit their mark. Yeah. For and no you can reason. See it. You know, it always was, yeah. why are you coming in? Are you going to the fridge? Are you going upstairs? You're not coming in to stand here and say your line. You know, that's not what happens. You have to have some reason why you're crossing. Uh, all the whole time you were telling that story, because I had directed Scott Bayo and it just was a nightmare. He was not nice to me. And, you know, apparently, and you tell me what your reaction is to this. They said, you only get two passes. Scott only does two passes. I'm like, what if something fucks up? You know, what do we do? You only get two passes. I was like, oh, okay. So I did my best at, you know, only getting two passes. But every once in a while, I had to pick something up or do something. There was a mistake that happened. Yeah, it wasn't that's my right. mistake, you know. But At least three. It's not a competition, and we're all having fun. We're all on the same team, when you I, know. I, and if you're not, yeah. then get I like Go that somewhere you, else. I like that you said it's not about winning. It's about like telling what's best for the overall story. And I think the best actors, best directors, best whatever is always the people that are in it as a team for the story. Yeah. Those are always the best people. You have a wide open mouth with a question. Bob, I'm how many episodes <laughs> of television have you directed? I've directed 
over like close to 400, like 380 episodes. Yeah, Leading I mean, me to my next question. Yes. Can I borrow $10,000? <laughs> you worked with my dad, right? On, on something. That was a well, I, no. Is what that I never was. worked with your dad, unfortunately. Uh, I thought you I did. I thought you said you had worked with him before in the past. You, you interact with the, him or something or, but the joke you had said was, he goes, so you you have a, a nice moment with him. you told him that. Oh, I told you that. I'm regurgitating yeah. a story. <laughs> I love that you're like, you told no. me. And it's like, no, you told him. Sorry, oh, sorry. <laughs> Here, here's what I want to say. The story about your dad is, I used to watch a lot of television as a kid. It was my, I came from a, a single parent home. But I would watch uh, Johnny Carson on Tonight Show. And my favorite thing about your dad, many things. First of all, he made me laugh. But is Johnny Carson was like a little kid when your dad was on the show, right? And he would laugh so much. And I remember asking someone, is, is Dom DeLuise getting paid to come in here and do this? <laughs> someone said yes. And I'm like, I want to do this for a living. Oh, wow. I want to come in. And so your dad and um, the actors on the Carol Burnett show, right? Okay. I was just like, if I get to have that much fun, and make other people laugh. And you know what? People are like, do you miss acting? I'm a good actor, but I'm a very specific type. You know, I can play thugs and uh, big uh, Russian women. That's what I can play. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, babushka. Well, wait a minute. What but, uh, was your first job as an actor? Yeah, how did you how did you get into acting and transition to directing? Okay, so I went to Circle in the Square Theater School where I said, I'm never going to do television. I'm only <laughs> going to do rep theater with the occasional independent film, right? Mm -hmm. And then you can't pay your rent. I'm like, I need a job. I'll be a dog in a commercial. I'll do yeah. anything. Yeah, um, I was a bougie so, actress uh, myself from theater as well. I uh, auditioned for a bunch of soaps. I was so young, I like, and I was like an iris setter puppy, guys. I had all this energy, but I was six five and like bang, banging into furniture. So uh, I auditioned once, and it went really poorly. But then I got a call, and they said, "Hey, Bob, they wanna they wanna have a question for you." I'm like, "Great." Uh, they want me to read again. They said, "No, what's your jacket size?" And I said, "My jacket size is a forty six long." And they said, "Perfect. You need to go down to the set of Another World." And I got a job as the maitre d slash waiter at Top's restaurant and on another world only because the jacket fit me. Oh right? my gosh. And, then, and listen to this. So I got to hang with those folks. I go down there three times a week. I rarely had a, a speaking role. Occasionally they would come to me and they're like, oh, come on, give Bob a, he's here all the time, give him a line. So I spoke occasionally, but what I did was there were three cameras there. So I would actually watch and, and learn. And so I would ask the camera guys, so wait, so what are you doing? Like, we're doing the master and we're doing coverage. I'm like, okay. So smash cut to years later, I'm directing a show called, um, oh, what's it called? It was a, uh, I'm not going to remember. It's 62. Um, oh, was it, uh, it was, was it a sitcom? Yeah, it's a sitcom. Oh. And it was Stocker Channing and um, uh, it was called, oh, Out of Practice it was called, Out of Practice. Mm -hmm. And I got two episodes of that and I walk onto the set uh, for camera blocking. And there is a cameraman that I used to talk to. He's like, Bob Cohair from Topps Restaurant? I'm like, yeah. He goes, you're directing? I'm like, yeah, I am. And so we did, a, I did, you know, I zoomed through camera blocking. And then he turned to me and said, I can't believe how good you are. And I said, you're the reason I'm good. Because oh, you spoke so to cool. me. It's a great story. Great. I love, I love, yeah. I feel like when you stay in this business long enough, and if you have the perseverance to do so. I, I feel like those full circle moments are so meaningful and keep you going too. Because cause it, it's easy to get stuck in the now of God, this is so hard or like just, just the challenges of the moment and forget how far you've come. Like how, how all the hard work you've already put in and, and how it's, it's gotten you where you're at. And those full circle moments like that remind you of like, okay, I have accomplished something. I have made it really far. Yeah, sure. I still have a really far I want to go and a lot of things I want to do. But those full circle moments are so important. I feel like in this business, because it's so easy to get stuck in where you're 
not there yet. Yeah. It, it, it reminds you of, of enjoying the journey and not the destination. Of course. And that's such a beautiful story yeah. that, you, that you told. Have you directed single? I mean, I'm sorry. I don't know the answer to this question, but have you done single camera half an hour comedies as opposed to multi cameras? I, or? I did a, a show called strip mall on comedy central, which is Julie Brown. I was cast as her love interest in the pilot. And I'm so stupid. I kill myself, but they <laughs> love the character so much that they gave him he was one of triplets, apparently. And then I had two other versions of myself. Nice. And then I was on the show all the time. And then uh, they said, you're so funny. And I'm like, let me direct. So I directed several episodes of that. But Wait, also, is that how it started? So here's how it started. Ah, okay. This is also a really good story. So um, I uh, am a fan of Tarantino films. And when I saw uh, Pulp Fiction, I went... This has to be spoofed. So I took three movies. I took I saw Reservoir this on your Dogs, resume. Yeah. The Reservoir Dogs, Natural Born Killers, which he wrote but didn't direct, but mm -hmm. uh, Oliver Stone directed and changed the movie. Uh, and um, uh, and Pulp Fiction. And I wrote a script called Plump Fiction, which spoofed it, right? With Julie Brown as like a diabetic overeating. <laughs> Instead of being addicted to smack and heroin, she's addicted to cookies and sugar, right? Anyway, I wrote this film uh, and I thought it was very funny. And so I uh, decided I was waiting tables, but I rented a room, a fancy room at Raleigh Studios on Melrose across from Paramount. I paid for some wine and shrimp. Uh, I talked to all the actors I kind of knew. Uh, Josh Mostel, Zero Mostel's son, read the, one of the leads. Kathy Kinney, who wound up being uh, TV's Mimi, read one of the leads. Yeah. And some other name actor, Craig Ferguson, was in the reading. Um, and uh, I was teaching improv class at the time. And so I said to some of my actors, who has good clothes? Who has nice clothes? And they said, I do. I do. That great. I said, so um, I handed them cards before the reading. And I said, hey, we're just doing a reading to hear it. But I invited some producers. I invited 20 producers and like four showed up. But here's what I did. We read the script out loud. It was really, really funny. And then afterwards, uh, the, my acting students who were in nice clothes, I went up to them. They came up to me first and I talked to them and made the other producers wait. I said, I'll be right there. Clever. Yes. Good but move. They would give me a card. I'm like, thank you very much. And I did that with two students. And then I said, hi, what, who are they? I'm like, oh, they're from some independent students. Anyway, how are you? My name is Bob Coher. Thanks wow. for coming. And so Rhino Pictures, Rhino Pictures jumped on it. And I signed a contract to uh, do a rewrite and then direct it myself. And then like two days before <laughs> principal photography, they said, um, can, can we see your reel? And I've already signed the contract. I said, yeah. oh, I don't have a reel. I said, you don't have a reel? I said, let me tell you this. Um, if I suck, come to the set the first day. If I suck, have the replacement there. Have him standing there. You know, let him sit in my chair. If I suck, I'll fire myself. And so they came to the set. They were there for two hours and they left and they were never on the set, maybe once or twice. And I yeah. made that first movie. That's the best. Cajones! I love that. Yeah, yes. no kidding. Very, very My dad very used cajones. to say to me, <clears throat> when you go to an audition, um, put makeup on your face and everything and then walk in and be like, I have to get back to set. Nice. You know what I mean? Like, I have to, I'm so sorry. I have to go, but I, I can do this really quick. You know, make them want you. I it's love such, the fact that you had pretend producers there. That's so great. It's such a business of perception. Mm. Like how many times have you booked a, sh a pilot or a show or what, or a job or whatever and you're like, oh, well, I can't make it to this audition because I already have a job. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, well, we want you so much more. We'll make it yeah, work. Like it's always like that because well, you want what you can't have or you want what you think is in demand. And this business is very much like I'm going to go home and watch your movie now. Where, I know, where can we see it? Uh, if you go online and Google plump fiction, oh. uh, you can find a way. Uh, there, Hey, you know what? You know the Beverly Theater? Is it still there? On I, Beverly, so, Quentin yeah. Tarantino's, Tarantino's theater. Tarantino's. Yes, yes. He, he bought that. Yes, every yeah. once in a while they run Plump Fiction yes. as their midnight Wait movie. Wait a minute, that should make you feel really cool. Did full you circle. ever get contacted by him? Have you ever communicated with him about this or no? I ran into him in Provincetown. Look, and here's what happened with my movie, right? Uh, so I made my movie, and then because partly because my movie was in the trades, uh, the next their next movie at Rhino Pictures was Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh my God. With Benicio wow. Del Toro and Donnie Depp. Yeah. So my little movie, my little movie became the redheaded <laughs> stepchild, sorry, Jennifer, and was put up on a shelf and was left there. 
right? And so, but here's what happened. I got paid for the script. I got paid to direct it. It was really, they four-walled it. And what that means is in the four major cities is we're released in a theater. So New York, San Francisco, Chicago, and New York all had a an opening, right? And then it went to video. So my tiny little movie, right? This little Jersey boy, like whose father was a mechanic who never got graduated uh, high school, but had a great work, work ethic. I was the little engine that could and got that movie and those little hurdles got over and I felt like what a great success. That's and uh, and then I had to go back to work as a waiter because you don't make any money, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> and and four walling uh, would then, as long as it, it had to go into the theater in order to be released on video and also to count for awards and stuff, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So what's interesting is in the, in the TV industry, uh, you have to have go into syndication in order for people to make the big money, like you guys did on Wizards of Waverly Disney. Place. Disney, yeah, we did Kinda not. Sorta. That didn't happen. I made some residuals from directing, but not from the show. But what were you going to say? Uh, so what happens is when a show does over that the the mark is a hundred episodes, right? Then it will go into syndication, and that's when you make the money. So that's the goal. It's similar to for 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 walling, right? So I directed uh, two shows. That were uh, 10, 90 shows. One was Anger Manager with Charlie Sheen, right? Yeah. I have a lot of stories from that. But however, we did do. 10. We did 10. He's a great guy. There's always smoke on the plantation, on the property. We did 10. They picked us up for 90 more. So we shot 90 more episodes. So it was guaranteed to go into syndication. Wait, you did all those? You did all those all episodes? I, okay. I did like 58 of them because <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell the story here. I'll tell it later. But yeah. here's the great news is that we did 100 episodes. And you know what? For all the challenges that so, show had, I was, uh, there's something called Roku, which I guess is a streaming yeah. service. Yeah. So, so, I, so if you go to Roku, there is an anger management 24-7 channel, yeah. which runs episodes of it. So I sat down. Uh, and three of my episodes in a row, because I did that many. It's a really great show. And by the way, Michael Arden, who won Best Director for a Musical last night. Come on, Jennifer, for yeah. um, Tony, right? Uh, he yeah, yeah. is on the show. He was an actor on the show. I, and that was a very rare thing, by the way. I think it only happened because he was Charlie Sheen and had a, a nice record, but oh, you, you, you didn't do yeah, yeah. 10 episodes and then got a 90 back order. Usually you would do nine episodes and then maybe get the remainder of that season and then wait to hear. And But he was like, we're doing 10. And if I make a certain amount, if it plays and gets enough uh, 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 views or something, then they would have to pick up the back nine. And the way Absolutely. Disney... The way Amazing. Disney Channel was different was instead of instead of syndicating a show, what they would do is they would do a spinoff. So like that's where uh, you know Sweet Life on Deck came from is because they got to the point of syndication and then they needed to either can the show or go into a spinoff. And it kind of like the Disney, like we were already kind of a syndicated thing. I mean, the whole thing was like I did Third Rock from the Sun, and in the first season they sold it to Fox in syndication already for like $300 million or whatever it was yeah. that Carsey Warner sold it for, you know? So they had already guaranteed that we were going to go to a hundred episodes, right. you know, which is, which is all different now. Everything okay. is different now in this business, you know, switching gears from syndic the syndication talk. <laughs> um, okay. So you worked on so many, you've worked on so many four camera shows as well as single camera as well. But like the list goes on and on for a lot of like Disney shows, Hannah Montana, which you eventually did, Sweet Life on Deck, Ant Farm, Austin Alley, Good Luck Charlie, Jesse, the list goes on and on. But as also network shows, Drew Carey, um, George Lopez, According to Jim, The Connors. What do you think is the biggest difference other than like the crazy high energy between directing a four camera network show and a four camera Disney show? Good question, Jennifer Stone. That is a good question. So here's the thing, um, you know, I'm an adult and I, I enjoy adult humor. That doesn't mean pornography. <laughs> you know. Well, you know, because we would. Yeah. Well, highbrow, like smart comedy, right? Yeah. Right. And here's the thing. On a well-written show um, that's on network, uh, all uh, 
the, the best comedy comes from the characters, right? Like, mm-hmm. let's talk about the Connors for a second, right? Those characters are so well drawn. And then the actors have been playing them for so long yeah. that it is a seem. It's wonderful. It's like going to a, uh, you know, a bouncy house and just letting everyone do their job. Right. And then if I do any directing, it's the fine tuned stuff, help them find a moment or open a door that they can either walk through or, or don't. Um, and what happens on a, a, a children's show for Disney uh, is that there's a fear of that. We have to keep things moving because kids aren't going to pay attention. Uh, I worked on Good Luck, Charlie. And uh, for people who don't know, there's always the A story and a B story. Mm-hmm. In the A story, you know, uh, Harper and Alex are going to go do this. And in the B story, David is going to show up uh, with the boys and do something else. And a lot of times there's also a C story, right? So an episode of Good Luck, Charlie, which, by the way, plundered me from directing more episodes for you guys because they made me a house director. Oh, so that's the oh. only reason I mm, wanted to come back. Disney. <laughs> um, but, hey, here's the deal. So we had one of my first episodes. Uh, the, the B story was between the parents. A really funny B story, right? Uh, and then like, no, you have to change it. Kids don't want to watch it. And that this is my like first day at the table. Yeah. I'm like, for notes, I'm like, hi, listen, hi, yeah. I had a single parent, right? Home. Uh, I love the idea of watching two parents make bungling mistakes yeah. that their kids have to fix. And so I said, that's and they're like, well, we're not talking to you. I'm like, fine, whatever. But the right, the showrunners fought for it. Right. Thinking that yeah. kids aren't going to watch parents make mistakes. Come on. Yeah. So the, the biggest difference, Jennifer, to address your question, is to try and make sure that we're not just dumbing down and doing. Mm. We did a lot of physical stuff on Wizards and those other shows. But you got to care about people. You got to care. And you can't yeah. care when you're, all your character is doing is wiping paint off her face in one episode and picking chicken feathers off herself the next episode. And I think if you were in chicken feathers, Jennifer, you probably rocked it right. Really hard. You look great. Um, But you know what I mean? So it's making sure that there's so much fear in our industry period, but when a show is running really well uh, and people stop being afraid and let people create, that's what distinguishes the great shows. You know what I mean? It's all hard. And I think, I think there's a disconnect too, when it's adults trying to sell to kids. Cause I think there's a lot of times people forget that inner child that we all have of, what do kids want? You know, kids don't want to be lied to. They don't want to be condescended to. They don't want to be, you know, like pandered to like, they just want the truth. They just want people as people and, and in funny scenarios, sure. But they don't want, they want to see reality. And just like kids want to be included in their parents' lives. They would have loved to have seen that parent storyline. I have a similar question because we're both theater geeks. And then we'll let you go because yeah, we've taken a lot know. of your we've time. We so appreciate you being here, yes. Bob. Thank I'm you having so me. much fun, guys. Good. You're some of my favorite people, so I'm good. Well, it, that is a two-way street for sure. Um, okay, a live audience to me is I came from theater when I started and you came from theater. And what I loved about shooting in front of a live audience is it reminded me so much of theater. And so what to, have you, you've directed theater, correct? Yes. Yeah. So what to, what is the comparison that you have between directing theater and directing up in front of a live audience? Because I feel the energy okay. is so similar. Oh, my God. First of all, to watch actors have their performances go up in front of an audience. Yeah. One of the biggest challenges of doing a pre-shoot, which you have to do these days because shows are complicated, yeah. right? So there are some scenes that people, if people are listening uh, on a Thursday, will pre-shoot a bunch of scenes if they're either complicated or there's a lot of people in them and stuff. And it's just our crew. And then mm-hmm. on Friday, we do camera blocking and then we do it in front of an audience. And then we're doing it in front of the audience. We'll do two or three takes, you know, unless you're Scott Bayo, but uh, you do two or three <laughs> takes. <laughs> Sorry. Jesus. Everyone is deaf now. <laughs> Bob, that was deaf. Go on. <laughs> um, you two or three tricks in front of the audience and the difference in the energy, the audience is this unseen participant, right? Yeah. If we're body surfers as actors in the theater, the audience is the wave. We yeah. have to make sure we get our butts up high enough so we can ride the wave in. And it's a weird thing because it's intrusive for some actors, but when you get that thing, you pause. If you started the line, you pause, you wait yeah. for the left to subside, then you go back to the top of the line and continue. And yeah. then that flow is like a beautiful choreography, but it's not there on the pre-shooting days, right? Yeah. 
But that, to answer your question, like live theater and doing in front of an audience, there's a magic. There's a, a, a something that happens that you can't even quantify, but it's palpable and it's magical when you see it. On the yeah. Drew Carey show, we had uh, Ryan Stiles, right? So um, funny. Genius Bader, comedy. Yeah. Right. And Dietrich Bader. Right. So we would do our table read. They would record. So the script coordinator records the laugh spread and adds some time because on network television it has to be 21 and a half minutes or 22 minutes. Right. Mm -hmm. So we would. The biggest issue is in front of the audience. The laugh spread would be so long. And what happened is they do a first take and then those actors. I'm like, it's a freebie, guys. Do whatever you want. All they would do is change one slight reaction or they would change maybe a word, a longer laugh spread, right? And here's the thing, what an embarrassment of riches, right? To go in and say, hey, Bob, your episode is five minutes over because the laugh spread. Laughs. Well, they, can yeah. always, they can always trim down the laughs, right? But it's gold, it's money, it's why it's there. That's why anyone who walks onto a set where there are children and it's supposed to be a comedy, or anyone is supposed to be a comedy, in a bad mood, I'm like, take that shit home, yeah. right? Leave it at the door because this is about throwing a party in front of the camera. And I want to say this too. Some people are like, well, but does your work really matter? I'm like, does my work really matter? Because I'm what, directing multicam and directing children's television? The people, the world, the world is powerful and it sucks sometimes. Yeah. How lovely for me to be able to sit in front of a television when I was young and my mom was working and we didn't have a whole lot of money and sit there and laugh. And the thing about a show in front of an audience is that I could sit there by myself, but it feels like everyone waited for me to get there. And then I'm part of something bigger than myself. That warm, wonderful feeling to be uh, included, right? Like I didn't watch Friends when it was on the air. And then I started watching it going, oh my God, it got so good in those final seats. It was really amazing. But the idea that it can't start until I get there Little Bobby, like with my popcorn, right? No, right? And to feel all that laughter and not be laughing by myself, it's just everything. So what we do is really magic. Well, I I have to say thank you for all the joy that you've brought to us. We brought a crystal ball in front of us, No, I know, but I want to tell you one real quick thing. I did, uh, uh, thank you for all of that. That was really wonderful uh, to hear. Uh, I did an episode of Hot in Cleveland and and Betty White was there. And I remember the- um, uh, they told me the story that when they first, you know, they were like, is she going to yeah. like, be able to, you know, you know, handle this schedule? She came out and paused and paused. And they were like, oh, and they started. And she goes, oh, no, I'm just waiting because they're going to they're gonna cheer. <laughs> they're going to cheer when I come out. I I'm love it. I'm just trying to help She's you right. with, the, with the spread of time throughout the thing. <laughs> it was so funny. I love okay, it. Okay, wait, can I tell you one last story? So yes, of course. I'm directing an episode of the Drew Carey show, right? It's the Mother's Day episode. So Adrian Barbeau is playing uh, uh, Dietrich's mom, right? Uh, then there's, uh, what's her, um, oh, who played the mom on the uh, on, on Lassie and on Lost in Space? Oh, I won't remember that. That's You've gone a little far, Bob. Yeah. I don't know who anyway, anyway, <laughs> You're wait. on the fringe there. So Mimi's grandmother was played by Phyllis Diller. Oh, oh geez. Wow. Okay. Okay, so I'm directing, and it's a long cross from the door and the and the Warsaw from the door to the front table, and like, well, we got to do something. I'm like, don't worry, it's going to be a rounds of applause. She's fucking Phyllis Diller, right? June Lockhart was to play the mother, right? Anyway, uh, so Phyllis Diller. So the night of the show, because I'm like, they're applauding, applauding. She walks in, no one in the audience knows who the hell Phyllis Diller is. Oh wow. And she's such a legend. Legend. But I was like, I felt like I had totally lied to her. So I was applauding. Okay. Applaud. Oh, anyway, no. everybody dropped the ball on that one. Oh man. Well, okay. Let's we're gonna we do this yeah, thing where we, we have ask a crystal ball crystal question. Ball questions. This is the one okay. that's happening. <laughs> I'm gonna pick it and then general general read it. There you go. Okay. All right. So, if you had to invent your own spell using part of your name, what would you call it, and what is its power? Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, here's what it is. Okay. Here it comes. Um, well, it's one of two things that I can make you sneeze on command, right? <laughs> right. But then and you have to then, pay him 20 bucks. <laughs> no, no, no. Here's how it works. In the Bob spell, 
in the mm. Bob's nasal spell. Um, <laughs> you, I make, I put it on you and you sneeze and then you have to give me money and then I'll make you stop sneezing. Okay. That's oh, it. That's okay. Can, can $20 come out of your nose when you, the, the, the Bob sneeze smell? <laughs> that has to be what it is. <laughs> Bob, Bob nasal spray. Yeah, that's perfect. We sneeze three times <laughs> and then out of each nostril comes a 10. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, I have one last question. When you're at a stoplight, what musical are you singing right now to the person next to you? Okay, so first of all, the one story I told you was I was in my workout clothes in a Jeep mm-hmm. and yes. I was singing pop- popular from Wicked. Yes, yes. Um, but it's uh, it's actually uh, it's my shot from uh, Hamilton. Oh, that's still a good there. one. It's or I'm not going to go my, my shot. Yeah. Yes. Or, or um, what? It, or, oh gosh, from uh, Evan Hansen, right? Yeah. Good it's a really stuff. good one. Like, those are both really solid red light musical songs. <laughs> I love you, Bob Cohare. I'm so I happy that we got to spend this time with you. Thank you for making the time. Thank you for directing 19 episodes of our show and making it a fun, good place to be. I appreciate you. Beautiful. Thank you guys so much. It's great seeing you. It's good to see you too, Love Bob. you. Love you too. Bye. 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 There's a link in the description for that too. It's magical. Oh, see you next week.